0: Okay, I invite you to uh, open your Bibles to Matthew 5. We're done with the Beatitudes, but we're not done with the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, As you look at your Bible, if you have a red-letter Bible like I do, uh, the red letters start in verse 3 of chapter 5, and they go through chapter 7. And that is presented as one big teaching time that we call the Sermon on the Mount. And so we're going to continue, even though we've been through the Beatitudes, which is the introductory part, we're going to continue... Uh, on through the, the Sermon on the Mount. So as we do this, we're going to look at this section, Matthew 5, 13 through 16. And to introduce that, I'd like to, everybody knows the camping adage, right? The, the leave it better than you found it thing. Really, really good advice. And boy, it's, it, isn't it really annoying how many people don't? And it's so frustrating. You're out, you're out and you, know, you go up to Harrison Lake, which I have stories about Harrison Lake and my car that broke down. And I had to walk up and down and up and down because I was a speaker. So I had to be up there. But my car broke down and I had to be in town. (laughs) It was not fun. Anyway, uh, (laughs) I was younger then (laughs) because I would not do so well. Anyway, wouldn't it be horrible to go up there and find trash? It's like, you've got to be kidding me. What's wrong with you people? Leave it better than you found it. It's, It's good policy, and I wish more campers paid attention to it. But it is also a good statement for life. We come into this world, we leave the world. Let's see if we can't leave it better than we found it. Now, as I say this, I I, I have a little bit of cringing because I feel like I'm setting up a really good uh, liberal church message. (laughs) (laughs) About about the environment. I'm not saying we should trash the environment. We should be responsible for the environment. Let me tell you something. A good person does not trash the environment, but but that's not at all what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about leaving this world uh, physically trashed or physically better. I'm talking about leaving this world spiritually better. Leaving this world a better place. This world should be a better place because you are here. Uh, There are far too many people whose main goal in life is simply to get what they can out of it, and they don't care how much trash and debris they leave behind or how much damage they do. We don't need more people like that, Uh, and, and we don't need to be people like that. We need to be the kind of people who leave it better. You were put here for a specific purpose, and you are—we're put here to make it better. Uh, this is not an environmental message. This is a moral message. It is a spiritual message. It is not about the planet. It is about the people. You are to leave people better than you find them. You are to live your life in such a way that people who see you living your life are moved toward God. Because of what you do. So we're going to look at salt and light. We're going to look at salt that is good. We're going to look at salt that is bad. We're going to look at light that either illuminates or doesn't illuminate. And we will look at Jesus who says, let your little light shine. Okay. So so I say that, and without reading the passage, you probably have a good idea what it is. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by people. You are the light of the world. A city cannot, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but put on the la- but, excuse me, don't put it on a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Your light must shine before people in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Okay, so first of all, let's talk about salty salt. What salt does, and what we need to do a little bit, is we need to take ourselves out of our modern world, where all we hear about salt is that it's bad and we get too much of it, (laughs) and take ourselves into the rest of the history of the world where salt was such an important thing. Okay, we're taking ourselves away from, from Davenport 2022, we're going to Galilee 27-ish. Don't know exactly what year Jesus said these things, but, but we're going to do that. So in our modern world, salt is this little container that we have on our, our table that, it, that that is these little white... Granules that we put on our food according to the taste that we want, and and we are warned against taking too much. And it is one, one of so many seasonings that we have that, that sometimes we don't need it at all. Another thing about our salt it is is it a it is pure, okay, NaCl, right? Some of you are going what NaCl? <laughs> Sodium chloride. The the, the uh, anatom- uh, nah, 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 at- at- Tom not Chemical, thank you, that's the word I want. The chemical description of salt, N-A-C-L. It is what it is. It's a chemical. It cannot go bad. Jesus says if salt goes bad, what do you do with it? In our modern world, salt can't go bad. Salt is simply salt, right? It is what it is. It's this chemical compound, and it it, it is what it is. It's not that you don't make it better, you don't make it worse. it, It is salt, and it's one of the stumbling blocks we have to get past if we're going to understand what this passage is, is that their salt was not our salt. You go, but salt is salt. How can it be anything else? Well, because of impurities, okay? We, we have to leave this idea of pure salt behind so that we can understand what Jesus said because in their world, there was no such thing as pure salt, right? They, they lived in a world that was different from ours. In the ancient world, so transitioning to the ancient world and how they viewed salt, first of all, there were no warnings against too much salt, <laughs> <laughs> no one walked around and said, that's bad for your blood pressure, right? Because it just was not part of what goes on. The body needs salt, right? Your body needs salt. Uh, uh, when you are living by the sweat of your brow, right? Genesis 3, man falls, and the result of the fall, by the, he shall live by the sweat of his brow, right? And when you are doing that brow-sweaty work, you need salt, right? One of my favorite things to do is to get out in the woods and cut firewood, right? And, and I sweat by my brow. And when I do that, I'm drinking Gatorade. And, and they have warnings against drinking too much Gatorade. And I say, I don't care about the warnings because I don't want to cramp up. And I need this stuff. And I suck on, uh, not salt tablets, but they might as well be sunflower seeds. <laughs> might as well be salt tablets, right? And it's like I can't get to And I've learned something. If, if it doesn't taste good to me, I've got enough salt, and I stop taking them. But as long as they taste good, I keep taking Because the body needs salt, because you're sweating it out. And when you are sweating, you need salt. And, and, and the ancient world understand that. When you are living by the sweat, sweat of your brow, Gatorade is your friend, right? When you are living by the, or Powerade, or whatever other aid you prefer, you know. <laughs> people, people they'll ask me, well, which one do you want? I said, I don't care. You don't, I don't drink Gatorade because it tastes good. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Sorry, uh, but, but uh, because, you know. Anyway, uh, you know, whatever aid you prefer, uh, it's your friend. So the first lesson is, uh, by the way, this is, a, this is a little bit of a sidetrack already, and this is a little bit of a finger-pointing. Uh, salt is good for those who are working, but for those who are not working, salt is a problem. Okay, now think about this. If all you do for Jesus is Bible study, all you are doing is taking in salt, okay? But you're not being salty, and it's probably not good for you. As much as Bible study is a good thing, don't just Bible study. It's not healthy, okay? Dr. Steve. Okay, uh, but but let's move on. Uh, so so uh, the body needs salt. First of all, there were no warnings against salt. Second, is salt was the universal preservative in the ancient world. They didn't have MSG or or you know all the, you know all the things when you read all the things you can't pronounce when you when you read the the ingredients. They didn't have any of those things, right? They had this one thing called salt, and salt was the preservative for everything. That in our days of. uh, the giant chemical companies, we have all sorts of alternatives. They didn't have options back in that day. In our days of freezers and refrigerators, we have options of not putting in preservatives of any type at all. But this is a modern thing that we are spoiled with, uh, spoiled to have, that people didn't have. And, And so salt was the preservative that everybody had. And So salt served a dual purpose of making things taste better and making things last longer. Salt was a thing that preserved and improved everything else. That's what salt did in the ancient world. It had that dual purpose of, of, of making food taste good and preventing food from going bad. Okay, and the third thing, and this is maybe the key thing, is salt was not pure. Okay? Salt came from salt marshes. I did a little research on salt and I, I found out a lot of things, always you know, more things than I than I want to to share, have time to share, and you didn't come here for a lecture on salt. Uh, but but in, in those days, salt came from salt marshes. And so basically what happens is, is you have this place where, where water is stagnant enough that it's not draining away, and, and you know, the, the, the chemical buildup is there like the Great Salt Lake, like the Dead Sea in, in Israel, or like any ocean or Sea around and, and, it, and it builds up because it's not flowing to the ocean and, and as the water evaporates you got these marshes and so you have this growing matter You have an increasing amount of dead matter around it and you have the salt building up And so when they got salt that's where they got their salt and they could not gather it and purify it to have this Little white sprinkling bowl or thing on their their table that, that uh, has this perfect white granules they had Something that we would probably turn our noses up and not touch. First of all, it didn't taste that salty. And second of all, it had a lot of junk in that we don't want to sprinkle on our food. But that was their salt. It's what they had. Uh, it wasn't like what we had have. Uh, as it, and so all these things, depending on how much of this stuff is gathered up with the salt, the salt is either saltier or less salty. Okay, you add to that, uh, if it, if it gets, has something happen to dilute it, right? Moisture is going to wash what away? It's going to wash the salt away and leave everything else there, right? The salt is soluble, the other stuff is not. And so the salt will be leached away or washed away, but the other stuff is left behind, and it's becoming less and less salty over time. And if your salt has become Unsalty. How can you make it salty again? Well, the only way you can do that would be by sprinkling more salt on it, which is kind of still not. It's still diluted because now it's dil- diluting the other salt. Uh, it, it's a negative thing. Uh, and, and one thing they found that this once salty material was good for. It was really good for for painting. <laughs> it was really good. You know, it, it it would be for instance. You know how the how, remember the story where the four guys uh, dug through the guy's roof to let the friend down it was good for roofing material it was it was good it formed a kind of a pavement kind of thing it was really good for something like that and so I'm not saying like like so in somebody's house with their little salt container they would take that and use it for the road but in the place where they brought up all the salt material you know that that lot where they had all the salt material and, and people would go there to buy salt at, from the salt merchant that would be out there it's exposed they didn't have modern tarps they didn't have anything as the rain came eventually it became worse and worse and finally when they're done it's done being good for anything else they would take it out and they would use it literally for paving material right and so there was nothing when the salt has lost its saltiness it's good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot okay now we have this grasp of what salt meant in their day okay and now that we have this grasp of what salt meant we can see what it means to us okay you are the salt of the world right you are the salt of the world jesus said you are the salt of the earth right that's just a blanket statement he's pointing to people he says you are the salt of the earth but if the salt has become tasteless how can it be made good again if you have lost your saltiness what can we do with you and you know praise God you know uh, but thanks be to God through, through Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ because he can make us salty again, but it takes him you are the salt of the earth the world needs you you preserve the world you make the world better that's what it means to be the salt of the earth is you are you you have a job to do and, and by whatever means because we don't all do this the same way because we aren't we're, we're not all little perfect white crystals, right? <laughs> Some of us are rock salt <laughs> or, or whatever it is, you know. Uh, and and uh, uh, Anyway, uh, here's the question, how salty are you? Meaning, how good a job do you do of making the world better around you? How good a job do you do of preserving the world about you, ar- around you? Are you assault? And 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 here's a follow-up question. This this is you know some of these things I go on. It's like I'm preaching. I'm 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 writing out my notes because you know I'm I'm working on this. I'm writing out my notes. I've got you know for this particular one I had books everywhere. It's funny. This the the it seems like a straightforward easy message, but I had books everywhere. And, and uh, I'm sitting here and I look at this and I go. I don't actually have a conversation with God. Like he doesn't say yes. <laughs> I'm going, really, God? <laughs> Do you want me to say this? Are you as salty as you used to be? See, this is the, this, this part of the message, some of this is for, for brand-new Christians and everybody, but some of this is for those of us who have been Christians for a while. Are you as salty as you used to be? Did you used to be? Can you, can you look back and say, man, I was, my walk was awesome five years ago. What happened? What happened that your walk was awesome five years ago, or 15, or 50 years ago? That it's not awesome now. And why do you have to look back that far? And I, It's like, uh, that's. by the way, that's a sc- really, really scary question to ask of someone else. It's a scary question to ask of yourself, but it's, in my mind, scarier to ask of someone else because... Uh, I'm looking at you, but you're looking at me. (laughs) And and I have to ask myself that question. Am I as salty as I used to be? Have I been diluted in my saltiness by other priorities, by the busyness of life? The parable of the source, staying in Matthew, just moving ahead eight chapters to Matthew 13, the second soil. Is explained this way, and, and if you're not familiar with the parable of the source, that's the third soil. Uh, just, you know, you can you can read it later and, and pick up the details, but just this one, Matthew thirteen twenty two. And the one sown with seed among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, and the anxiety of the wor- world and the deceitfulness of wealth close the word and it beca- or choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Anxieties of the world, deceitfulness of wealth, fear and greed, in Steve's basic English. Fear and greed stop us from being who we ought to be. Diluting our faith, and and I'm going to come back especially to the fear uh, as we go go on in this. Diluted by fear, Why, why would I say especially by fear? Because look at the context. I mean, when I, when I look at my Bible, at the beginning of chapter five, it says Sermon on the Mount of Beatitudes, and between twelve and thirteen it says disciples and the world, and it's like it ends one thing and closes it, opens another. But when this was written, it says, Blessed are you who are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who are before you, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasting how can it be made salty again and it's in the context of talking about persecution and he says if you've lost your saltiness what's that saying if you pull back to protect yourself if you stop being salt in this world because you are protecting yourself you don't want to expose yourself to the risk you don't want people talking about you that way you don't want people looking at you that way you don't want people taking offense at you So you pull back your saltiness so that people won't know, right? And you have been diluted by fear. Even if it's just fear of what people will think of you. Even if it's just fear that people will think you're strange. You know what I'm going to say, don't you? You know me. You are strange. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Maybe nobody ever told you that before, but you know it's true. There's, there is not one normal person in this room. <laughs> and that goes for you on Facebook, too. <laughs> there may be three people in the room watching it, and they're all wondering, am I the weirdest? <laughs> in this group, at least you have competition. You, you protect yourself. There's some advice in Ecclesiastes. Now, you have to, you have to read Ecclesiastes, understanding the book. Because Ecclesiastes is the book where Sol- Solomon wrote about the wisdom of the world under the sun, right? And, and it starts out with this phrase, meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless, okay? And he goes through, is it 13 chapters, or is it 14? 12, 12 chapters of this meaningless world, and then he finally comes to the conclusion, fear God. That's what gives meaning to the world. But along that way, there's a lot of really worldly advice. And among this worldly advice is, is uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verses 16 to 18. And I say I explain that because if you don't understand that about Ecclesiastes, you can read this and walk away with the wrong message. Okay? This is worldly advice, it is not godly advice. Okay? Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verses 16, well, just verse 16. Do not be excessively righteous, and do not be overly wise. Why would you ruin yourself? Or he said, don't be so good you bring trouble on yourself. Don't be so good it causes you problems. Just be good enough, and everybody will like you. Be just good enough, and and you can get by just fine. That's the advice of Ecclesiastes for, for success under the sun. For success in this world, you want to succeed in this world. Just be good enough. Just be righteous enough, right? Not too much, because that you don't want to rock the boat. You don't want to be that curve breaker, Amy Calvin. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Amy gets really good grades in school. Uh, <laughs> um, you, you 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 don't want to cause trouble for yourself, so you just you know mellow out, be mostly good, that kind of thing. Uh, that's the advice of Ecclesiastes, but that's not the advice that Jesus is giving in, in Matthew chapters 5. He's saying, don't, don't lose your saltiness. Don't lose the effect that you can give. Don't allow yourself to be deleted. And so if you're, going to be, if you're not going to be salty, then what good are you? Right? God puts you here to make the world better. God puts you to influence it, to make, to help preserve it, to help make, give it more flavor, to bring out the good things in it, to make it better. God puts you here, but if you're not going to do those, what, what good are you? What, what can he do with you? And, and uh, he gives a suggestion, maybe we can use you at the landfill. Wow, right? Is, is that not what he's saying there in Matthew 5? I mean, again, it's like, I go, man, these are tough words. It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by people. You can benefit the world that way. Not a very flattering picture. Okay, let's move on from salt, move on to light. Light that illuminates, verses 14 and 15. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all those who are in the house. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. City lights at night, right? Spokane, from our perspective, at least, you know, we go into Spokane, we come in over the hill, and it's in a valley, right? And we see the lights of Spokane once we come over the top of that hill. But a city set on a hill, that's on display, right? Uh, that that that's what we have have pictured here. It is it is advertising. It is welcoming. And I know I I, I thought as I said this, I thought we're country people there's a reason we don't live in the city, (laughs) right? And and all the things I could say positive about the city actually kind of would bounce off, right? (laughs) Because we say, there's a reason I don't live there. I don't want to be there. But we have to acknowledge this. More people live there than here. And and they like it. And having grown up in the city, we thought that people in the country were the losers. And, And we were the winners. And now I... You know, kind of flip-flopped on that a little bit, but, you know, it's, it's uh, the city. People like that. They like the lights. They like all those things. You know what the hard thing to do with a city is to make it dark at night? You know, they, you go back to World War II and they would have blackouts, you know, back in the days before you could, you know, G, GPS a bomb, <laughs> a missile, uh, and, and you, you had to actually see your target, and the hard part was getting the city blacked out so that it wouldn't be seen by the bomb or bombers flying overhead. The hard part was to make it not obvious, but a city set on a hill is pretty obvious. And God says, you're a city set on a hill. When when he says this, you are the light of the world, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. He's not changing his subject from you to the city, right? You are the light of the world, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. And he goes on, he moves on to a lampstand, he says, you're the city. You are on display, you, you, you are a city set on a hill God has said, you are my city on a hill I have put you on display. you are a light that God has lit and you may say I don't know if I, I want to be a light God has lit. I, I'm just reading what Jesus said, right Don't argue with me argue with him. No, I don't like that. take your pen, cross that word out take take the word you and make it someone else <laughs> uh, let's see uh, I got a pen right here, and no, I'm not going to do that to my Bible, but <laughs> I'm crossing out you. Can I get a volunteer? Okay, Becca Ball- volunteered Wyatt. Wyatt is the light of the world. <laughs> oh, that sounds like heresy, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Wyatt is a city set on a hill, and, and the answer is yes, he is. Yes, he is. But don't think you can hide and say, Wyatt's the only one. You are the light of the world. That's, that's Jesus' word. You, you, you cannot like that, but you cannot deny it. I mean, you can deny it, but you have to deny everything then. This is what Jesus said. You are that city on display, uh, like it or not. The whole passage is Jesus' statement to those who would follow him of what he expects of them, right? That is what he is doing here. You are the city he has set on a hill, and he expects you to be visible. With his light. That's what he expects of you. You don't light a lamp to keep things dark. If you want things dark, you don't light a lamp in the first place. Why would you light it and then cover it up? God says I lit you, man. Uh, I don't want you I don't want to cover you up. Uh, and, and, and we get a picture of this shining. I want to flip ahead to Philippians chapter two, verse fifteen. And and by the way, as I do this I want to say I really am disappointed in my Bible here, <laughs> but but I found out it's more common than, than other things. Philippians two Verse 15, well verses 14 and 15. uh, It has this phrase um, that is, if you've got the NIV, I want you to know that's what I was looking for. uh, Is the way it says it in the NIV, but appears the NIV is the only one that says it quite that way. Verse 14: Do all things without complaining or arguments. Verse 15, so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent, children of God above reproach, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world. And if you got the NIV, among whom you shine as stars in the night. Or stars in the world, I forget which it says. And, and, uh, and I, I am so enamored of that phrase, stars in the, in the world or stars in the night. Because it's, and the word, so I studied it and found out, yeah, it could possibly be translated stars. But the word for star is, is astra something or another. Like we get astrology or astronomy or any of those things, and this is not that word. The word is the word is, is it Sounds like foster, it has nothing to do with foster, but foster. The word for light is phos. And when Jesus said, "I am the light of the world," he said phos. When he said, "You are the lights of the world," he said phos. Like photograph or phosphorus or something like that. We you know we have have co- uh, similar type words in, in our English. And, and the word in Philippians two fifteen is foster. Among whom you shine as Uh, lights in the darkness. Interesting thing about that poster is, and and this is, remember I said I had all these books out, because sometimes you just start digging, and you dig, and you dig, and you dig, and you like what you find, but you're not finding enough, and you dig some more. And and that word poster is only used twice. And the other time it's used is in the book of Revelation, chapter 21. And I, this is significant, how it is translated there uh, in pretty much all the Bibles I looked at so I felt comfortable with that 21 revelation 21:11 21, he's describing the new jerusalem coming down out of heaven Verse 10, and he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. Having the glory of God, her brilliance was like a valuable stone, like a stone of crystal clear jasper. So he's describing the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. And he talks about its brilliance, and brilliance is the word. Brilliance is the only other time that word is used. Wow. Among whom you shine as brilliance in a world. If if that's the translation. It's the translation, right? We, we are not just to shine; we are to be bright. <laughs> we are to shine brightly for God, and, and, and that's that word, "foster." And, and, and it's both the you know, light of the world, but it's "foster" in Philippians two fifteen. Among you appear as lights in the sky, or shine like stars in the sky. And and we find this. God wants you to shine brilliantly for Him. You are the light God has set in the world to give light to the world. And and we and and, and remember, I said that sounded like heresy. and We say, why is the light of the world." Well, you know, because we, we go, what? Jesus is the light of the world. That was our scripture reading, John eight twelve. Jesus said, "I am the light of the world. Uh, if anyone who walks with me will not walk in dark, follows me, will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life." He said, "I am the light of the world." So so how can we claim to be? be how can he look at us and say the light of the world? Well, let's do a little. Logical following here. When the sun, which is the light of the world, is gone, what do you see? You see stars. You see stars shining in the night. And some of them shine brilliantly. Some a little bit more like dim bulbs, you know? <laughs> but they, they shine. And when the sun is gone, you see the stars. Well, guess what? Jesus is not walking on this earth right now. But who is? And what does he call us to do? And we, sh- we become the light of the world. In the absence, and it's not like Jesus is not here. We know he's among us, but you know what I'm saying, too. In the absence of him, our lights shine. And, 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 and so we're not competing with him. We're not, we're not comparing ourselves to him. It's not like we, we compare the stars at night to the sun a day. I mean, we make that comparison, but it's obvious the difference, right? Uh, and, and he is the light of the world, but he tells us, you are the light of the world. And and, and it's not a contradiction, it's just uh, a different situation, a different circumstance. And we are called to be the light of the world. So the question you might ask is, well, then how do I shine? How do I do it? Well, it's really easy. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. The answer is your good works. Your good works glorify your Father. Well, good works like what? Well, Context is everything, is it not? Uh, Let's look. Poor in spirit. Mourn. Gentle. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. Merciful. Pure in heart. Peacemakers. Not being stopped because of persecution. Do you think, let's take the word shine out for a minute, because shine is a strange word. It's like, okay, I'm not sure what that means. Let me try this. Stand out. Does the person who lives like that stand out? Abs- put him in any context anywhere on this planet. That person stands out. And people say, Why is he like that? And before long, they find out because that guy's a Christian. Well, I've met a lot of Christians. I've never known one like him. But that guy stands out. I'm not making fun of Christians who don't shine. I'm saying the one who does this truly stands out. He, and that, what do we call it? That's shining. He stands out. He shines. So let's take it away from the direct context. Let's try this one. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, fruit of the spirit. A person who lives with those characteristics stands out uh, it's because most of us are not like that. Or, or let's just make it really simple. Let's say good, reliable, honest. Go, whoa, where'd you find that guy? Right? You find a mechanic who's good, reliable, and honest, what do you do? That's right. <laughs> you say, I found my mechanic because he's good, reliable, and honest. And, and, and people say, really? You found a mechanic who's good, and reliable, and honest? Where? Who is he? Can I go to him? <laughs> right? Because he stands out for such simple things. He stands out. His name's there you go. <laughs> uh, Jeremy, where is he? Okay, Jeremy, uh, you owe us about 1995 for that plug, so no. <laughs> uh, you know what? When, when you start realizing that, letting your light shine is actually easy. It's actually easy. Just be good and don't hide the fact that you're a Christian. And your works speak for you far better than your words ever do. Because have you ever known somebody with really good words but a bad life? Far more effective is a person with a really good life and, and, and not so many words. And if, by the way, you have the gift of words, and you can do both, then awesome. But you can all, we can all live that good life. What we're seeing here is not the kind of evangelism that has someone knocking on doors and saying, hey, have you heard about Jesus? Let me tell you about Jesus. I've got this little pamphlet that tells you, you know, how to find Christ. Uh, this isn't what we're seeing here. We're seeing a whole different thing. We're talking about the, the witness that has lived out over years or week, weeks, months, or years to your neighbor's. The people who see you regularly, your coworkers, right? The people in your town, the people at the store, the people—the people who know that, that if you accidentally uh, find, go go home and find out that you took a milk that you didn't pay for, you're going to go back and pay for it. You go, but but wait a minute, milk's expensive. I got free milk. Well, okay, if you want to do that, you can. But but if you go back and pay for that milk, your light is shining, and you're making a difference. And, And and, and whether they say anything or not, there's something in their mind going, this person stands out. What is it about them that stands out? And you are shining for Jesus. And that answers the question how. The better question is, why wouldn't you? Why would you not shine? And we're back to that context of persecution. Because you're trying to avoid that persecution that Jesus talked about. And it's it's not by accident that this follows that right? It's not by accident that, that this about the salt of the world and losing its saltiness and light hiding itself under a bushel follows a statement about persecution. Because to avoid persecution, even, even to avoid somebody thinking badly about us or that we're odd, we, and I, by ban. I've got a whole bunch of fingers pointing back at me on this. We hide who we are. We hide who he is. And we go back to Ecclesiastes. Don't be too righteous. Don't be too wise. Don't cause trouble for yourself. Just put that under wraps a little bit. But if you back it off to make it easier for yourself, you're covering up your light. Okay, you know, think about this. I have, I like, I like the lamp with the three, three bulbs. I mean, the, the bulb with the three, three things. So that depending on what I want, I can get a dim light or a medium light or a bright light, Right? I like a light with a dimmer switch sometimes in some settings. Not all, but some. And, and, and I'm doing this because I have a slider. You, know, but you might have the one with the, the dial. Or maybe you can just you know, pull out your phone and go, Siri, dim the light. <laughs> or whatever it is you do. I like the one that I can control like that. But how would you like a light that chose for itself how light it wanted to be? Right? It says, you know, I don't feel like shining right now, so I'm going to just dim myself and you're trying to read a book, right? That's what we are when we start saying, I will shine this much. And God says, but I didn't put you there to to hide you. I put you there to shine. I put you there to give light. Uh, Jesus is saying, uh, what Jesus is saying here is don't shine at the brightness you want, but at the brightness God wants. There's a lot of ways to make a difference in this world. And there are a lot of ways to leave it better than you found it. Jesus wants us to make that spiritual difference and to leave it spiritually better. He wants us to make it make the people better. He wants us to be announced, He wants us to be living advertisements for God. That's what He wants us to be. We can do that, or we can quench that. Okay. The message of today is don't quench it. If you try to live your life as a testimony that stands out for Jesus, here's, here's the promise. Your life will stand out for Jesus. You, you can't fail at that. You, you can fail at everything. You can you know, I don't know if you ever feel like an utter failure <laughs> or just an, a goof, for lack of a better word. Because I do often enough <laughs> but you cannot, if you're trying to stand out for God, you cannot fail to do so. And so I want to challenge you to do that. Let's close in prayer. Father God, I ask that we take our, our lights and we let them shine. Father God, I, take, I ask that we be salt that makes it better around us, that preserves the things around us, that brings out the, the flavor of the world around us. That may, Father, that we do the things that attract people to you, that we do the things that win people for you. Let us be those living advertisements of Jesus Christ that you want us to be. I pray in Jesus' name.